This is Success Beyond the Score, giving insights and tips to help you learn how to build your music career from the best in the field by Millicent Stevenson. Millicent is a multi-award winning saxophonist and endorser of Harry Hartman's Fiber Reads. She is currently serving on the Executive Committee of the Musicians' Union. With over 40 years experience in the creative industry, Millicent has honed her performance and business skills. She provides personal development training and coaching via her online platform, successbeyondthescore.com. Hello, I'm Millicent Stevenson, and this is a newest episode of my podcast, Success Beyond the Score. Now this time, I'm going to be a bit more personal with my guests. I'm going to be asking them about their career highs, but also their lows. What have they realized truly matters after decades of experiences? What have they learned from those difficult times? So come along and hear from Dan Whitehouse, an acclaimed composer and songwriter currently signed with Reveal Records. Anna Brooks, an international touring saxophonist, recording artist, arranger and director. Abigail Kelly, an award-winning international operatic soprano and ambassador for the National Touring Opera. Louise Dengate, choir director, exceptional vocal coach and agency director. And Tony Bean, CEO and founder of 5AM Records, who works with international artists. He's also songwriter and record producer. By the way, these interviews are recorded through Zoom due to the COVID-19 pandemic, so you might notice a slight change of audio quality between the introduction and the interviews, but the show content is still A+. So what would you say then is, has been a career high for you? I don't know if you could think of one or two, that'd be great to share those. You know what, Vincent, I've got to be, I saw that question and the first thing that came to my mind was uh, a person called Harry, who in 2012, I'd only been releasing records for two or three years at this point. And um, one thing that's really served me well is house concerts, which is exactly the kind of thing you can't do in lockdown. Although I sort of have, through the streaming, remotely been broadcasting into people's lounges. But for a long time, I would um, travel the country playing small private gatherings and my songs sort of resonate well in that really intimate space and there's one family in Bromsgrove that became great friends and uh they played I've got this song called Somebody Loves You yeah which is about four verses before the chorus comes in Mm. it's not a radio song it's really wordy it's about five minutes and their son who was four years old at the time managed to learn the entire thing is this what it's for all that work is this what it's for all those words is this what it's for just to beat me down here on the floor and they put this video up on youtube of harry singing somebody loves you i think that still resonates with me as a career highlight I have to say, because for for my song to make a connection uh, with with a family in that way. And the thing is that, you know, that that's a family song for me. I wrote that song about my parents and then to see that sort of mirrored and reflected back was just a really 
beautiful happening. Yeah, I've seen that video. I think it's really cool because like um, his parents driving the car and he's in his booster seat or and he's singing along and it's amazing. It's just really cute as well. <laughs> um, a very sad song, I thought. I've listened to the lyrics and thinking, oh, that's such a deep song. And then you have this little four-year-old singing it. It was like, wow, <laughs> there's just so much in that from an artistic point of view. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So listen, if you had to sort of rewind the clock, and you know or get into Doctor Who's TARDIS or something and go back in the past what would be one of your career lows that you think actually if I could do this over again I would do it that's a tough question isn't it Uh, just looking at my notes there's nothing here (laughs) (laughs) well perfect everything everything's been perfect thank you Millicent (laughs) See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> um, let, get, let me think. So, too many things to choose from. <laughs> one's no. fine. This one's fine. <laughs> um, and maybe you could think about it as a point of choosing one and the lesson that you learnt from it. Maybe we look at it that way. What was the lesson you learnt? You know, embarking on this sort of music as a career is always going to be challenging, isn't it? Mm. I come full circle with it on my last album I had a song where there's a lyric that says everything is perfect all the time and that's kind of my mantra now which you know this man it's about acceptance it's about sort of um breathing and listening in Mm. to what the universe is is delivering and accepting that I think my one if there's one regret it would be that as a younger person, I didn't listen in enough. I had some wonderful concerts, for example, where perhaps I didn't take the time after the show to really reflect on what had happened and who'd been present and what an occasion it had been. Mm, mm. And I sort of was always pushing on, striving for something bigger and for the next thing. And that sort of drive and motivation served me well in some aspects, but I think lockdown's given me a chance to pause and look back and reflect and, you know, the certain moments that I could have savoured more intensely. I think that's the thing with youth, isn't it? You know, we're always rushing ahead. We, we always think tomorrow will never come. It's always today, today, today is fine. And, oh, yeah, the next thing, the next thing's going to be best. But as you get older, you realise it's, Sometimes it's good just to take it slower. <laughs> but it's a good lesson. I think it's a good lesson for and, all of us. You know, when the moments are good, just really embrace them. And I think for me with lockdown, it's been really enjoying my family as being one of the things, you know, because usually I'm rushing around. And they always say to me, oh, well, you're always rushing. You're always behind that computer. You're always doing, you know what I mean? But just enjoying those moments that are so precious, you know, it's. Uh... Yeah. You've got what seems like a very glamorous career. <laughs> Can you think of any particular low that if you could do over again, you wouldn't do it that way? Um, I don't think there's anything in my musical career that I regret doing okay. because um, I have learned from every mistake. I think mm. that is the 
the best way to learn. Um, and I've done some kind of, you know, I've, I've done a lot of <laughs> crazy stuff, and you know, you know, for a, a, a mix of, of 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 music that I've played and, and people that I've 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 played with during my career. But I, I everything has been a learning experience, mm. and um, I think. No, there there have been. I've had a couple of, you know, maybe um, little mini tours and stuff where everything has gone wrong. Okay. And and you know, I've had a couple of like tours from hell when things, you know, my suitcase went missing for thirteen days oh, while I was no. on the road, and it had everything in it, and you know, that was ter- terrible things like that. But that's always stuff sort of beyond beyond your control and circumstances beyond your control um but i don't think there's anything that i regret doing mm-hmm. um or anything that i would do differently because i think i have a policy of never regretting anything okay um and 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 you know and learning from find, it then learn, yeah trying to find yeah. some value in every in every musical experience but i think maybe it's also just because i love my job so much that even mm. the stuff that's been a bit weird or a bit left field it's fine it's part of i love the variety um of of what i've done over the years and, and what i what i because some still people do. um so, sorry to cut in but some people no, give fine. up don't they when something goes wrong they actually give up their music career and say i'm never going to do that or i'm never going to sing again or i'm never going to yeah, that doesn't sound, yeah you're not one of those persons it seems it i can't seems i can't ever i can't ever stop doing this it's mm. my absolute it's my absolute passion no i i you know music is is me it's it's so deep in my heart that I could I could never give it up I mean don't get me wrong I've had you know I've had times I've had quieter times in my career and I've had you know some tough times where um you know things in my personal life might have affected my my career um but I don't no I still don't regret I don't regret anything and I wouldn't have done it differently it just you know, life throws things at you and you just have to deal with them and <laughs> and say, okay, you know, what what is it? What, what, what are you going to try try next? You know, what are you going to throw at me next? Okay, you know, I, I'll just keep going. I will yeah. just keep going. So I've never sort of felt like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Um, you know, there have been times where um, it's been it's been quiet and I, I've been struggling to make ends meet, mm. uh, you know, as a as a single mom for a little while. That was um, that was very, very difficult. But mm. just just push through um, and you know, find a way. Um, I think the thing is, if you've got a um, a varied set of skills if you can build a varied set of skills then the advantage that we do have is that we can kind of create work if you go out there and you know mm. uh, whether that might be more arranging work or working as a solo saxophonist or you know yeah whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, no I don't regret anything and I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything We've heard great highs from your career, but I just wondered, have there, any, have there been hurdles or any sort of major lows, not just for this year, but in trying to make it as a female soprano, operatic soprano, has there been any sort of barriers or anything that you've experienced that? I find that, first of all, the operatic industry, it, it, it's huge. There are 
six, seven huge music colleges across the UK, all churning out singers every single year. Uh, you know, as well as all of the other conservatories in the world that churn out opera singers constantly, constantly. So the the perception that there aren't many opera singers out there, or it's, you know, it might be quite rare to, to meet an opera singer, but there are a whole load of us out there at any one given time. Okay. <laughs> all, all vying for the same jobs. So you just have to have that that you know that element of resilience and just yeah. say I am I there may be hurdles but I'm going to try my best to overcome them I think for me personally in terms of lows in my career have only really been when I'm not doing it's only been when I've not really been doing anything at all mm. so that the first few years outside of music college you know I came out of music college I started working for English touring not for straight away I was in work I was like this is fantastic this is great um and then after a while it's sort of you know I, I went for many 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 auditions for various opera companies for various agents and I just wasn't really I wasn't getting anything I wasn't getting um the kind of work that I thought I should be getting. I wasn't, um, yeah. And I I look back on that now and I just think to myself, well, it was, it was because I wasn't ready. That, it, that wasn't my time right then. I needed to just keep plugging away, keep going. You know, there were so many Jamaican phrases that come to my head and so many things that my, my mother would say to me. Uh, even now, you know, there are, there are gigs that I get that I know, I know that I am sort of like fourth person down on a list of however many people to kind of get through a few people before I'm gotten to for mm. a gig. Mm. I don't feel any way about that. Okay. The fact that I, they got to me through that list means that that gig was always meant to be mine somehow, cosmically. It was always meant to be for me. Mm. Um, and and I feel that way about every single knockback, about every single successful audition I have, about every single um, stepping into a role because someone is ill. I've, I feel that way about all of it. And it's brilliant to ride high on the crest of a wave when you're feeling like you're doing really, really well. But it's also really important to acknowledge um, acknowledge what it feels like when you're when you're not working to the level that you want to be working at. Just means that hey, you know, you've got time to therefore work on something else, work on your your mental health, work on your physical health and well being, work on your family surroundings. You know, get your get that picture that you wanted to put up on your wall put <laughs> yeah. up you know you can be yeah. working on on other things yeah. uh so hurdle wise I I don't know I it it sounds a bit weird to say that I don't I try not to see hurdles mm. I'm like that person who um you know you see these YouTube clips these silly clips sometimes um the 200 meters hurdles is something oh, yeah. that I love watching I just find it's so interesting uh, and there's this sort of technique to it where if you clear the first one then you're on a roll you clear the next one you clear the next one you get and it's and it's great 
when you clear the first one and then you hit the next one, it takes you out of your stride and then you start hitting the next one and hitting the next one and hitting the next one. What I would rather do is just take myself off that track with all the hurdles on, yeah. just scooch over to the left-hand side, run on the piece of grass that has no <laughs> hurdles, that may be a little bit slower than the tarmac with the hurdles yeah. on, but there aren't any hurdles. Yeah. So I'm not going to see them. I'm just going to keep running. I'm going to see them out of the corner of my eye, mm. maybe acknowledge them, um, maybe acknowledge them as future Abigail acknowledging the past hurdles that have been, but I'm not <laughs> going to see them right now. I'm going to keep my eye on that right. finish line. I'm just going to keep, keep going on the slow grass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you find a way. So you're saying it doesn't matter how you get there, you'll get there. You know, mm. and if it means there's a bit of a detour, you'll take that detour. You'll get yeah, that's what I'll take the detour saying. and I'll take the slow path. And yeah. if, you know, if I have to stop for a little bit of water or someone has to come along and help me a couple of steps on the way, then that's that's my path. That's my path. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not diminishing the fact that there are hurdles that, I, you know, as we discussed earlier on, there are massive hurdles in everything in life. You know, financial situations, home life situations. I am very fully aware that I have you know I'm a, a, a person of a certain age that I don't have um, dependents uh, so I have been gifted a, a certain amount of extra time that I'm you know not spending looking after somebody I'm not spending um, worrying about childcare or picking somebody up from school or you know th that sort of logistics mm. of life um, that that for some people can be a, a hurdle and um especially in the musical industry when you're when you're touring a lot you know i i acknowledge that at some point i'm gonna probably feel like i am on the track with all of the hurdles and it's gonna feel really difficult and really feel like i'm gonna have to jump over it but i'm gonna remember this conversation i had with you and just remember that <laughs> run on the grass is what i need to do but yeah i i just uh i I think that, like I said before, if it's, I'm trying to remember that phrase that my mom says, um, what, uh, what is feel, can be unfeel? That's it. Oh, yeah, what yeah, is feel, yeah, can be yeah. unfeel? Yeah. And that's how I feel about life in general. Well, if you were to, you know, think back over the last 20 years, what would be one of the things you would say, this was a highlight for me. Yeah, I'm probably a bit strange in this answer because I, I, I hear other people answer this sometimes and they'll say the biggest venue they've been in and who was there, some famous person. Even though those things have happened, and that's really nice. For me, um, definitely some of the best have been when I know we've really made an impact to just a regular nice person like we did um, a, a funeral mm. last year of somebody who had uh, lost their mum to cancer and so they wanted um I think we sang hallelujah and uh I can't remember all the other songs but the the room that room they it was in this beautiful church in Gloucestershire and the room was so full of mm. love for that person it it was really special and it felt like an honor to be part of that day because what they said mm. about her was so precious. And, you know, sometimes people don't express how much they love someone until they've gone. I mean, I'm sure they did because they knew that she was going to pass. But it, it was so lovely. And, and we sang that song. And it was hard for us not to get emotional because the mm. room was, like, mm. charged. 
So, but it was charged because there was so much love there. So that for me was definitely a highlight even though it was so sad it was sort of that bittersweet sad because there was so much love there now to me that's much more satisfying than a fancy pants event for mm. some fancy mm. people and not not that that's not nice it's just that you know give me real people real love real passion that's where I find the most satisfaction yeah. I find the same thing I, I do like playing at funerals I mean I don't actually advertise it a lot on my platform because you know people think oh it's not the thing to advertise but I actually like that because I think it's a very significant time in a family's life and you get to hear through the eulogy the life of the person and I find it really yeah. fascinating yeah you know and just being there and, and supporting and helping I think it's great um, mm -hmm. it's not you know it's not the it's not glitzy and what have you it's a very sad occasion but mm -hmm. I think it's where you do the most impact give the most impact I, yeah. I really like funerals I really yeah. absolutely love it so here is the opposite then so what would be you class as a career low you know the thing that just didn't work out if you had to live your life again I would do it differently <laughs> apart from the reception job at the doctor's surgery that was <laughs> apart weird. from that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love that really part of a career um I think that we did have a residency at this pub in Birmingham yeah and they what they said they wanted jazz, and I'm yeah. like, are you sure? Are you sure yeah. you want jazz? Like, the people that come in, are you sure they want jazz? Yeah, they said yeah, but the client, the people that went there really didn't. You know, <laughs> it was quite a lot of shush, shush. You want to watch the football? Oh, this, oh it, no, it was the wrong. It was the wrong choice. <laughs> Lovely people, but they didn't want jazz, and it's like that awkward thing of you got to do what the client is asking you to do, but yeah. at the same time the the people the public that are going in there they don't want it so that was so awkward and yeah we did, we did it for quite a long time and then uh, and then in the end I think I can't remember why it stopped now which is you know the residency stopped but it was probably for a good year yeah yeah uh, so yeah. Mm, I, if that was to ever happen again I, I would definitely be having a um more open conversation with the manager Mm -hmm. saying can we try doing a different style so yeah that matches more I think what people here like because we've talked to them as well what what music do you like what you're into and they'd be like yeah. we like rock we like you know we like blondie we like abba oh, okay yeah, yeah. doing Ella Fitzgerald's <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say is one of your career highs if you think of the whole 30 years what would we say yeah. this was my career high this is something i really enjoyed and why i really enjoyed it, it was a high point for me oh good question um you know the problem with me i am so um hard on myself mm. that i don't even it's hard for me to actually look at things and go, oh, that was such a great time. It's so fantastic. I always look at it as, yeah, it could have been better. Okay. Um, so I I can't even say I look at things as highs. There were some good times that I had and good things happened. Um, no, they say one I, of the good I, things, maybe somebody you worked with or an experience going somewhere that you thought that was really good. Um, I, oh, gosh. You know what? I think sometimes it's 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 not about the money or the um, the sort of famous side of it. It's literally doing something where 
for me, it's more about me probably writing something and somebody going, I love that song. That song meant this to me. Okay. Um, and I've had that happen a couple of instances um, where somebody actually said to me, do you realise what that song meant to me? What, did you, what were you thinking when you wrote it? Mm. And um, I've actually thought, wow, you mean you sat and... And there was a young lady that said to me, I actually, <clears throat> I actually choreographed a dance to one of the songs you wrote. Oh, that's lovely. It, it meant so much to me. It was, and I, I did this dance with people because it, it really meant this to me. Is that what you meant when you wrote it? And I thought, oh, actually, yeah, you, you, you got it. That's what I actually meant when I wrote the song. Hmm. Um, and there's instances like that that have happened. I think I also wrote a song for Kenny Thomas, um, that he he actually said to me, I got inside his head. Um, and that was brilliant because I, I thought about him when I was writing it and mm. he phoned me up and when I gave him the song and he said, you know what? I can't believe you've lyrically put into a song how I feel and how I'm actually thinking. Did you, get some of the, did you get some of the pointers from him or you just wrote it and presented it? I just thought about him. Okay, I thought, wow. You know, the singer, wow. I thought, okay. He's had this great success. He's at a stage in his career now where he's this. Uh -huh. He's probably a man that's settled in his life in certain ways. And these are the things that he's probably facing. Uh -huh. And I just wrote from that perspective. Uh -huh. And it, thank God it was just bang on. And, and he recorded the song and I produced the song for him. Um, and he, he actually said, you know, that really was, uh, that got inside his head. I think that was something that made me feel really, really good. It's worth it. After yeah. all those, it's yeah. worth it when you yeah. can... It didn't just go by the buyers. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. nice song. Yeah. yeah. But it actually meant something to somebody. Yeah. yeah. And I, I like that as well with my music. I like when someone said it meant something for me. It helped to yeah. get me through. You're thinking, yeah. this is what it's all about. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not just about the dots and the notes. It's about yeah. <clears throat> helping someone in some way. You know, exactly. it's uh, yeah. I'm so rewarding. I think, I think so that's rewarding. invaluable. I think that's invaluable. And I think it means it means more to me than than. People always say, oh, have you met anybody famous? Have you done this? Have you, and you say, yeah, you have. And there are there are nice times when you work with people and, and you meet people and you think, oh, okay, yeah, they're nice people. But mm -hmm. for somebody to connect with what you're doing um, and not just as a business sort of person, mm -hmm. but connect with you as, a, as an artist and as a writer and as something, I think that's that's really special. Cool. So here, here's the opposite. What was, what would you say is one of your career lows? Because looking on, <laughs> looking on, I, I could see all these wonderful accolades and stuff. Oh, Can you name do a you career? Want me to those? <laughs> no, just one, just one. Can I name names? No, I can't name. Names. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you want to name names, you go ahead. But but you on the courts, not me on the courts. You go to courts if you mention names. Not there me. are some obvious ones that I think I will just. All I have to say is there are some obvious ones that. Everybody will know of that. Okay, go on. <laughs> they were quite public, and I'm not okay. going to talk about them. Um, I think one of the one of the lows was was when I had my first the first record deal we got. Yeah, um, got messed about or got messed up by the singer that I brought in. Yeah, um, and it really within sort of two months. Yeah. Um, they totally lost their heads by me bringing them into this situation where it was like, oh, 
producing this song for me. Mm. Coming to coming to my house at the time and, and seeing this song, doing a demo. And then within a couple of weeks, I was phoning them to say, do you want, are you interested in having a record deal? And they were like, what? A record deal? Seriously? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think I threw some, I threw that person into a world that they just had not imagined. Yeah. And it completely blew their, their minds in some ways about signing an actual record contract, going down to the record company, having this signing party and, oh my God, I'm going to be an artist. And then it was like within a matter of weeks, I think they took us out to dinner a couple of weeks later and this, a certain singer mm. um, completely threw one. Um, and the record company sort of looked at me around this dinner table and went, uh, what's going on here? Is there a domestic situation? And I'm thinking, no, there was never a domestic situation. And there was a whole inquest in it. And suffice to say that, that the first record deal I signed stalled oh. um, within a matter of months. And I think that was a real low point. You know what? Sometimes we feel as though we're the only ones going through things. But I hope that these experiences you heard today would help you to feel less like that and also give you guidance from facing your hurdles. By the way, if you're struggling to get paid for the work you are doing, then I have 10 tips to help you with getting paid. It's called 10 Reasons Why They Will Pay You Before Gig Day and you can download them from www.successbeyondthescore.com forward slash Get paid before gig day. The link is also in the description. Speak to you soon.